Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast presented by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. I am your host, Marcus Mosier, and joining me today, as always, is Lana McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Lana, what is going on, sir? Well, we got football coming this week. Actual people doing things and practices and stuff. They'll be wearing masks and they'll be social distancing for most of the time. But uh, you're actually going to, by the end of Friday, I think they got guys in shells and actually doing football things. So Yeah, at least one uh, league's playing football this year, we hope. We'll see about the rest. (laughs) Um, All right, so we're going to talk about Mike McCarthy's press conference that he held on Friday. Uh, It came out after we did our show. Um, but there's some interesting notes in there that I want to kind of break down. And let's go ahead and start uh, with McCarthy's notes about the fullback and tight end position. Uh, Landon, you actually sent me this into one of our DMs. Uh, explain to us uh, what McCarthy was saying about how he treats his fullbacks and tight ends in an offense. Well, I thought it was very interesting. First of all, I mean, it's two things, right? And I and I, I kind of pointed out the first thing when, when he you know first said it because it's the most obvious. Is, and that's the idea that you know, he kind of schematically lumps together fullbacks and tight ends, right? So that doesn't, you know, super surprise us. Right. Uh, right. I think, I think you know, that does, it does, it is informing because you, you, you aren't really sure, but it's it's interesting. I, I think the, you know, the fascinating thing is the way he kind of worded it. And, and I don't know if this is revealing or if this is just a slip of the, of the tongue or if, whatever. But I'm going to read this this one part he said. Um uh, this is a. The question was basically, how do you evaluate where you stand presently at fullback following the opt out decision of J- Jameza Lawali? Uh, McCarthy. Well, I think it's like any year, frankly. I mean, the fullback position and tight end position is something that, and this is the important part, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. I've always kind of lumped together when you're building your schematic menu because that's the adjustment you have to make in game week. So that's no different than our thinking right now as far as where we're in the training camp. So to me, I read that as. The fullback and tight end position and, and how they are deployed is not dictated, you know, in the 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 the, the game plan. It, it, it is dictated in the game plan, but it's not dictated necessarily in the playbook. So I, I the idea is that I think whether you know, dependent on who you are and who the defense they're going to play that week. They may have a fullback or they may have a tight end, depending on, I think, where what they're trying to do, right? So if they're trying to sure, run power sure. inside, that guy's probably playing a little more fullback this week, right? If they're trying to uh, attack uh, uh, attack the, uh, the, the, the middle of the defense, uh, that guy may be a, a, a tight end or something. You know, I think if, if, if they, they look at your tendencies that week and they view, see that you've been uh, skating away with trying to put a, uh, a linebacker on fullbacks when they go into 21 personnel, then uh, then maybe they put maybe that this week that guy's a, a fullback and you're trying to create sure, a mismatch sure. there against the linebacker. So I, I thought that that was really interesting, not just because, you know, he is gen- generically kind of viewing the fullback, you know, and again, like when we talk about tight ends and fullbacks, 
that includes all the subsets of, of those two positions, right? Like there's inline tight end, there's offset, there's an H, right. there's an F back, there's a f- actual fullback, there's uh, you know just there's a, there's a variety of different way spots, especially in West Coast schemes where that kind of move tight end off the ball tight end can line up in a whole variety of spots. So I, I, I just found it interesting that that isn't necessarily something that is dictated, uh, uh, you know, before the season, you know, oh, this is the, the fullback plays and, you know, these are the plays that we have, we run this. I think it's yeah. more yeah. they have concepts and they fit the pieces where they need to go week to week depending on the opponent. All right, so when you were, you know, listening to that or reading the transcript there, is there a certain player that kind of came to mind as somebody who can kind of function as a fullback some weeks, a tight end the other weeks? Is there is there one guy that came to mind for you? Well, I think the guy that really, you know, when I heard that phrase in general, especially with what we know about Jameis Zolawali, I think Seus uh, Olanalua was the guy that we were talking about mm-hmm. potentially being the fullback or taking over that job. I think after hearing this, I would not be surprised if Charlie T is the one who's getting the 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 you know kind of first crack yep. at that spot yep. because he does have that kind of body type to play both spots, uh, you know, to play uh, a fullback F H-back, move. You know, yeah. he, he's all played that. tight end before. He's done a lot of that kind of moving all over. Like he has experience doing that, uh, and I think this is a stupid thing, but I don't, I'm not completely discounting it. They gave him the number 46. Did you notice I that? I did know that, yes. Yeah, so to me, and, and all the other tight ends have 80s. Yeah. So I, I do think, I, I don't know if that's an actual thing. And, you know, maybe that's because they need to conserve 80s to, you know, to keep with wide receivers. Yeah, though. maybe. Frankly, they don't because they have so yeah, they're many all the teens. Like, teens. Uh, I, I think that, you know, I, I think that that might be something is that, you know, maybe Charlie is the guy they keep as their potential third tight end, right? Or fourth tight yeah. end that is actually serving as a uh, as a fullback as well. I uh, want to give a little shout-out to our buddy, John Oning. Uh, today on the Dallas Morning News website, he wrote an article about Charlie T and how he would fit into the offense. Um, absolutely go check that out. It'll give you a, a good understanding of his strengths and weaknesses as a player. So go ahead and check that out. Um, one more thing before we move on. What about Blake Bell kind of in that role? Because I think he has the ability to be you know in the slot he can be in line i think he's also done some h-back stuff for um for kansas city before is he somebody that potentially fits you know mccarthy and kellen Moore's scheme a little better than you know most most offensive schemes yeah i mean i think it really depends on what you're trying to do you know and i think that that's maybe where you uh you know, like this is all dependent on on what you have, right? Like, I, I think to me, Bell is more of, of a tight end, a pure tight end, just because he's so big, he's so tall, yeah, yeah. you know. And I think that that really makes it difficult for him yeah. to have to be in kind of an F spot or a fullback spot where he's gonna have to dig out interior defensive uh, defensive lineman or dig out a linebacker in a hole. Um, you know, Charlie T is just to kind of give a comparison is a little bit squattier. I mean, he's like 6'2", 245, as opposed to Bell is like 6'6", 250. You know, so he he's got maybe a little bit lower center of gravity that might help with uh, with some of the the blocking uh, of it's just that the type of players that you, and the type of blocks that a fullback makes are just different than the types that the tight end and, and the like a wing makes. So 
I, I think Blake, you know, can certainly function as a guy that they, you know, they put as a move tight end or an F or whatever. I just think that I don't know that he is the uh, the catch all guy to completely eliminate the kind of you know need for a hybrid fullback type player. I, I just don't think he's going to function in that in that uh, sure. uh, that capacity, you know, full time. Um, really quickly before we move on, uh, Charlie T's number one comparable on mock draftable, Charles Clay. I think that's an interesting uh, comp. Yeah. I think that's somebody who. Um, you know, could, you know, that type of player could, you know, really do well in Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy's scheme. Um, let's Great. take a quick break so I can tell you guys about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Okay, Landon, I want to ask you about uh, Mike McCarthy's love for Kellen Moore. Uh, he certainly <laughs> talked a lot about uh, why he why he's so excited about Kellen Moore. But I actually think the thing that was the most surprising is talking about the terminology, right? He said that's maybe one thing that a lot of the players are getting used to after being in a Jason Garrett scheme for so long. But McCarthy actually said the thing that, you know, the person that's had to learn the most is him. Uh, was that surprising to you? I, I don't know, because, you know, he's kind of mentioned that that would be the case. I, I mean, it's, it's, it is good to see, that, or at least to hear, that that, that still continues to be the case, right? Is that, that they seem to be working towards a, a situation where, um, you know, they're, they're, where he's adapting to what Kellen Moore has already put in place as opposed to, you know, starting from scratch or, or starting from, you know, with, with McCarthy's offense and, and making everybody learn everything differently. Um, I think, you know, I, I do think that there is some learning. I mean, he, he did mention that, you know, he's uh, uh, trying to learn how to uh, deal with the, uh, some language change so i do think there is some language change and it and he even actually specifically pointed out uh a lot of uh, changes in in the run game specifically but it sounds like yeah. protections are very similar the passing game are very similar um it, it does sound like again that the run game might be the spot where uh the most kind of terminology and changes are made and, and actually that doesn't really surprise me i mean i think if you look at uh, Philbin, yeah, it comes yeah. in as the offensive line kind of run game coordinator. He's very established in what he does, and he's you know he's a, a, a well known uh, uh, offensive line coach who has a way of doing things. Uh, I, I think he's very uh, uh, flexible on technique, which I've seen in, in some of the uh, uh, videos I've seen or the coaching tapes that he's done or whatever. I, I've watched, and, and he's he doesn't seem to be very, I guess, specific about. Uh, the, your hand usage methodology 
I guess is the best way to put it. But I do think that he does have a certain way he likes to call things this, call right, things right. that. And, and I think that the cowboy system has been kind of a hodgepodge system that's been handed down from offensive line coach to offensive line coach, uh, you know, throughout this system. And if you think about it, frankly, uh, you know, going from Pollock to Colombo, uh, I mean, that was like what? I mean, four or five years of offensive line coach, right? Where Or th- three or four years of offensive line coaching where yeah. – You've got two guys who are first-time offensive line coaches, head, uh, you know, first first time with their room, you know. So it's good to get a guy who has a lot of experience running these rooms with a lot of these guys coming in and kind of reorganizing things. So maybe it's not just a collection of other people's ideas, and there's some kind of you know cogent thought to how the run game is called. Yeah, I just year. I was gonna say I was just kind of thinking as you were talking there. And they have had a lot of turnover on that offensive line for the coaching staff, right? And all the different yeah. times of, you know, scheme. And because you went from Callahan in, was that 2014? To, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Callahan to uh, what, Pollock, Pollock uh, to mm-hmm. Alexander to Colombo, all in, what, four or five years? I mean, that's a lot yeah, of turnover. And, and Alexander, you know, like, I mean, he's definitely more on the – Philbin kind of thing where he's an established offensive line coach who's you know done it in the league for a long time, and the offensive line room basically rejected it. You know, yeah. so yep. uh, I'm you know I think if anything, it's time for this offensive line room to start. I think listening to a, a, a coach who they need has an old coach. Yeah, here. they needed a guy like Philbin. You know, somebody who has yeah. skins on the wall who can be like, listen, guys, I've done this for. 30x years right just listen to I, I know, know what i'm doing I, I i love the guys that are in that room but i i think the idea that they had two first year or, you know first time offensive line coaches and not that mark colombo is a pushover no, but no, no, i no. think that, you know, but he's I one of their buddies though that's really what yeah it is, right? that's it and i think that that's part of the issue is that i think that they have an idea that they know what they want but i and i think the cowboys have been willing to give the offensive line room what they want I think it's been to their detriment to a certain degree, though. I, I think that there is value in having uh, a solid offensive line coach who knows what he's doing, uh, giving you, feeding you guys, feeding offensive line, the offensive line room, new ideas on on how to, you know, how to do this, how to do that. You know, a lot of this stuff they know how to do. They don't need to be recoached, but it's always good to bring in new ideas uh, that you that haven't been coached to you. It's always good to, to maybe have a guy with some skin on the walls tell you what you're doing wrong. Absolutely. Um... I'm I'm excited uh, for Philbin. I think he's going to be good. Yeah. I think I, I really do think they needed that teacher back in the room because it, it remind you know it's kind of like uh, in high school if you got a 22 year old fresh out of college teaching you know high school seniors probably not going to respect it and you know respond as well to a 50 something year old teacher who's been doing it for so long and knows all the ins and outs of how to get students or players to respond right I I, yeah. I think this is yeah. the the right decision by the Cowboys here. I'm excited to see Philbin. Um, let's take one more quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about the defense. Okay, Landon, um, they asked Mike McCarthy about uh, Ouzier potentially switching from corner to safety. Uh, McCarthy didn't mention him specifically, kind of avoided it a little bit, but he did say that their defense is going to be matchup-based all the guys in the secondary are going to have to play multiple roles. Uh, the game plan is going to change week to week. Um, and as somebody who has complained over the last decade that their defense is sometimes too rigid and they don't adapt enough, 
Uh, this was certainly music to my ears. What do you think about McCarthy's thoughts here on how they're going to mix and match these secondary members? Yeah, I mean, I think what it is is we've been discussing something similar like this for a while, and we're getting closer and closer to figuring out exactly uh, uh, you know, where we are as far as uh, what we're going to get from this defense. And I think we've taken another step closer to the idea that this is going to be a matchup-based defense. This is going to be a defense that is uh, taking into account their opponent week to week. Uh, and not just trying to, you know, force the issue playing their way, which was very much the the previous uh, administration's oh, thought process, sure. yeah. both on offense and defense, to be honest. And there's, and there's, um, it's not to say that's a, the wrong approach either, because I think in no. certain situations, like a Rob Marinelli scheme is really good if you don't have a ton of talent, right? Because you can get guys in free agency and they can come in and they don't have to think too much and they just can play their role. Like I think of the 2014 season where, you know, they were rotating defensive linemen in off the street and they were still getting production. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. No, not at all. And I think that anybody who is trying to tell you that this way can't work and that you have to do it this way is looking at it completely wrong. I think that there's like, you know, I think there you can do it this way. You can do it, you know, matchup based. You can you can be really good at what you do and make other, you know, make the other team uh, adjust to that. And also still really, I, I don't think that, you know, one is a bad way and one is a good way. I think it's how you execute each. Correct. And that's yes. where we are. Th- this coach, this coach staff feels a lot more, um, you know, comfortable with executing things in the way to, uh, uh, in, in the way that, that you you are adjusting to to who who you're playing as opposed to just trying to impose your will because I mean the problem with trying to impose your will uh, is that you constantly have to keep the best roster in football right. to do that yes you know it's yes. and, and and even then like injuries happen and that sort of thing it's like I think it's a lot cleaner way to do it and there there's a, it's doing it the way that the, the, the Garrett and, and Marinelli's situation worked. It allows for you to kind of bring in a lot of players and, and, and rotate them in and, and, and kind of go without missing a beat. Mm-hmm. But the downside there is that if you lose one of your key players, you don't have anything schematically to kind of overcome it, yeah. make up for that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think this is this is allowing the defense a little bit more flexibility to, uh, you know, not have to have great players playing at a high a great level all the time in order to mm-hmm. create. I think the the scheme can create if, if if the players can execute and and especially if it's tailored to who their opponents are. There's more than one way to skin this cat and I think that this is just the 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 new way that the, the Cowboys offensive defense are trying. I also think this is a smart team building thing and we don't have time to have this discussion fully today, but I think it's pretty clear the Cowboys believe, and I think the analytics suggest this as well, is that offense is more stable year to year, game in and game out, uh, over the defense, right? A lot of things can yeah. change on defense. If you're going against a good quarterback one week and then a bad quarterback another, you know, things are just so much more uh, fluid, right? So I think the Cowboys are going to put a lot of assets into their offense, and they're already doing that, drafting CeeDee Lamb, having one of the most expensive offensive lines in football, paying Ezekiel Elliott, good, they're going to pay Dak Prescott. On defense, you're going to have to scheme things up, right? You're going to have to use different blitz packages because you're not going to have studs at every position, right? You let Byron Jones go because he was going to be a $17, 18000000 million a year cornerback. 
So you're going to have to be with a little bit more creative on the defensive side of the ball uh, to kind of, you know, to find average or above average production. And I, I like it. I commend them from doing that. Obviously, I wanted the Cowboys to sign Byron Jones, but I think this is the next best way to build your defense is to be aggressive like this, is to mix and match, you know, weekly, uh, you know, game planning for your opponent. Um, before we go, Landon, anything else for that interview jump out to you? I know Mike McCarthy talked about Ezekiel Elliott making sure that he's going to get his touches. Uh, he talked about Amari wanting to have 3,000-yard receivers on the roster. Anything else surprising to you? I don't know if this is surprising, but I, I think, you know, kind of just getting more used to Mike McCarthy as a, uh, a, a you know, a someone interacting with the press yeah. has been interesting. Yep. You know, because he's, he's very much not Garrett yep. uh, in the sense that he's uh, not so... I mean, as much as everyone hated that that aspect of Garrett, I do think there is value in having a coach who is even keeled with the media. Yeah, Bill Belichick's a perfect example, right? Yeah, like, I mean, Belichick seems like he's pissed all the time, uh, but he's just not giving you very much. Garrett seems like he's thrilled all the time, uh, or at least, you know, robotic human thrilled, uh, and, and, and just not giving any information. You know, McCarthy clearly uh, is kind of, feels a little bit more old school in that sense, right? Where he just he's like he's kind of uh, just playing it by ear, you know, working off the cuff, mm-hmm. uh, and it seems like he was a little bit at times confrontational, or not maybe not confrontational, but but I, I could see where there's going to be there's a little bit of confrontational an edge. aspects, yeah, a little bit of an edge. He does him. have a little more edge. So I guess what I'm bringing that up for is why does that matter? Uh, I mean, I think that, that that kind of thing bleeds down to your team, too. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, that's something that Garrett at different points, I think, tried to outsource to other, you know, coaches like uh, like Colombo, you know, like you know, being the edge for the offensive line guys. And you know what I'm saying? And, and I think Chris Richard being the edge for the for the defense. I think now McCarthy is kind of setting the tone from up top that, you know, they were all football. No, 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 no. And I think that, you know, that that kind of old school coaching uh, mentality is useful when combined with kind of more modern sensibility about how to deal with yes, the players. Yes, right? yes. As long as long as he's not being like a, a you know, the, the I remember the old Nick Saban story of him stepping over a player while he's walking down the hall of a player who's having a seizure. And his, his, and his argument was that he doesn't, if he had time to, to, to help stop with everyone, he'd never have time for anything. It's just something totally ridiculous. But yeah, yeah. I think that as, as long as he's, you know, kind of being a, a, a coach who's a, a good to his players to a certain degree, a player's coach, but he's maintaining that level of edge there. I think that that has the potential to kind of bleed down to the, the, the rest of the players and the coaches. And maybe, you know, maybe that, you know, kind of creates a, a, an even more of an edge to this team, which maybe that's maybe maybe that's what this team was missing a, a lot of last year. Can I, can I give you a perfect example of that edge that you're talking about? Uh, someone asked yeah. him about, you know, will will you guys be practicing indoors at yeah. the Ford Center? And he's like, um, 
No, we're going to be outside. That's my preferences. We're going to be outside. Uh, if the weather makes it where we can't do that, we'll we'll see about going inside. But the plan is to be outside every single day for practice. He likes playing on the grass. He wants to get them. Uh, he wants to get them mentally tough to be able to work through heat, work through that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not saying that Jason Garrett wouldn't have done that. It's just kind of that that Pittsburgh edge that he has about him. Like, hey, we're gonna go play outside. We don't care what the weather's like. If it's freezing cold, we'll be outside practicing, and they're just gonna have to get used to it. I think the difference here is that both coaches would prefer to practice outside on the grass because of knees and ankles, frankly. Yeah. Because of the the grass is just easier on your body to play on than, yeah. than artificial. The difference is is that Garrett would tell you it's about the knees and ankles, and McCarthy would probably tell you it's because he wants to you know sharpen the edge. Yeah, on his he team. wants and, to be mentally tough. Exactly. Yeah, and maybe and maybe both of those things are being accomplished by both coaches, but the fact that McCarthy is bringing that up again, kind of reiterates that that sort of uh, that sort of stuff is important right that that, yeah. that having an edge and is 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 an important part of building your football uh, team i thought that this team needed that edge i mean they really haven't had it since parcells was here right you know they really haven't i mean they've been they've had really good teams but i'm not i don't think they were always the most mentally tough that way when it came to weather they didn't win very many bad weather games if it you know if they were outside in the rain you can think of how many times that they won those bad weather games i'm not saying practicing on grass every day is going to make you better in those games but it is a mindset right i mean being able to be like hey we don't care what the weather's like we'll play on grass we'll play on turf it doesn't matter to us i think that is something that you have to kind of coach in uh to your players That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow me at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time.